1: Half a day and welcome to the World in Sport, I'm Vinny Wiley, This Week.
0: Tyrone May has used the foot to kick the ball out of the possession of Justin Olam. A special
1: week for Papua New Guinea's newest National Rugby League champion. A Pacific link to England rugby's next number 10. And Samoa and Tonga step up preparations for their Women's Rugby World Cup playoff. But first, Papua New Guinea rugby league star Justin Olam has capped a year to remember scoring a try in the Melbourne Storms' NRL grand final win over Penrith. The 26-year-old Kumuls International established himself as a starting centre this season under legendary coach Craig Bellamy and was recognised this week as the club's most improved player of the year. But it wasn't always easy for the Highlands-born star. Fellow PNG and Storm legend Marcus Byers says Justin Olam has overcome a lot after a difficult introduction to life in Australia.
0: For the first two years, he's he's never made it up to NRL, and there was a big worry for myself and and, and other ex-Kumul players, Johnny Wilson, Mark Mom, um, Michael Marum. Obviously, the coach of the Hunters um, last year, and and the, and the PNG Kumuls. Um, we were worried that we uh, you know a lot of discussion about changing our attitudes from the Hunters into the Kumuls, so that it we build a pathway for these young boys to. When they come to to NRL or intra Super Cup, they've got a different approach to the living of the Western style living. Um, obviously, young New Zealanders and and Samoan and Tongans and Fijian living in Australia, that is not a worry for them. For us, it's a massive worry because the rugby league played in Papua New Guinea is a lot of our local boys. Most of them doesn't know about um, uh, doesn't doesn't speak English well. S- similar to me finished grade 10 and, 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 and went away and didn't finish grade 11 and 12, wasn't good enough to do that. And then when you play this game, and it's not about just playing the game and training, it's about, you know, the respect, um, with, which we were taught, obviously everyone and you know, every young kid are thought, um, I was just lucky that my old man and and, and, uh, and my mom, you know, really taught us well in terms of uh, the discipline side. We were always disciplined as 10 of us in the family. But to see uh, Justin come from the village, similar similarities to what I have done 21 years ago, honestly, I never thought I'll see another puppy again. I always wish that 10 years ago that or six years, uh, 16 years ago that one of our boys will come up and make it in a big time. And. And when Justin had a chance in 2016, he came back and asked us, I've got Canberra and Melbourne Storm uh, wanting my signature. Where do I go? And I stepped in and I said to him, I said, listen mate, you are not going to Canberra because late Kato Otio was there. And I said, I don't, I don't like to see two Papua New Guineans in one club because it's never been a good, good news. You guys will be drinking and enjoying yourself. You won't concentrate on the game. And a lot of other coaches support me. Um, uh, Michael Maroon, Johnny Wilson, David Wesley. Uh, and he said, yep. I said, I think we, we all think that um, you should go to Melbourne and learn a lot from the Melbourne structures. I said, you will love it. You will love it there because there's a lot of um, uh, Kiwi Kiwi boys there, someone, and, and, and as well, Cameron. Cam, we know Cameron. I, know, I said to him, I know Cameron very well. You're going to learn a lot from him. Um, and, and, and as well, Billy Slater still playing. So, we we sort of uh helped him out there Bob Cartmore was the CEO of PNG RFL at that time and and helped him a lot in terms of giving him the direction to go and and um and I think for the first 2 years we were all disappointed that uh, you know he's been playing well with Inter Super Cup but then wasn't making up making his way up to um to uh, to National Rugby League until last year when they gave him a chance and we were so excited but we're more excited now that um Obviously, he obviously is now in uh, in, fe- in in uh, first grade for the full season, and and now playing in a grand final, which is um, very exciting for for us as a nation, and very exciting for me. You know, I I dream you know, always think that na nah, nah, there will be someone else from Papua New Guinea, either kids are living here. You know, Alex Johnson done it in 2014 or 15, and and hopefully you know several more you know several more to come. You know. Um, uh, something that, uh, <laughs> honestly, it's a talking point in Papua New Guinea after, after Friday night, so, um, you know.
1: Does this make it easier, Marcus? You've talked about, you know, you wondered if it would ever happen again after you, uh, and now we've got Justin who's had to overcome adversity uh, uh, and a slow start to establish himself in that storm team. So, for all the other players and the Digicel Cup or in the age grads coming through in Papua New Guinea now, even if they're still at school a bit younger, and they're looking up and seeing him in an NRL grand final, um, you know, playing professionally in the NRL as a significant player, does does it make it easier when they see that it can be done through him, thinking we can do that yes, too?
0: absolutely. Look, it, it's now easier, easier easier for how Justin how Justin came up is through the is through the Hunters and obviously the the PNG Rugby Football League and, and in in partnership with the PNG government have, have now built six years ago they built a bridge uh, with Malmaninga and Adrian Lemme Helping that course to be able to bring hunters into the Intra Super Cup. Now, that that that's where that's where Justin came from in terms of Digital Cup, and from Digital Cup used to be from Digital Cup straight up to to PNG Kumuls, which is they haven't gotten that experience to be able to play with the with the PNG Kumul side. And when we compete in the international level, we don't we don't match the likes of New Zealand, uh, the Kiwis, and the Australian and and, and obviously, we can see it now from Tonga. Most of their players are played in NRL and, and Super League. So it's a similar. It's easier, it's easier now that the young girls and boys can now see, and especially the young boys now can see that if Justin Olam can come from the village, played in the local 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 uh, football club, and then go to Digital Cup and play well, and then been selected for the Hunters, and then. As soon as he plays for Hunters, he's got every chance now for NRL clubs, scouts, to be able to, to, um, to pick them up from there. The, the bridge is now built for them, and Justin is the new era, new era that now that he's going to go back to the country and say, hey, the bridge has already been built. If I can do it, every one of you can, uh, can do uh, it. It is a much easier way to, for our young boys and young girls to be able to, to make it that far.
1: That's Papua New Guinea rugby league legend Marcus Bai. Former Manu fullback Mike Umanga is resigned to watching his son's test rugby debut from the couch. The Wasps' fly-half Jacob Umanga has been added to England's squad for this weekend's Six Nations Decider in Italy and next month's Autumn Nations Cup. The 22-year-old, who is the nephew of former all-black Tana Umanga, has impressed head coach Eddie Jones... And his father, Mike, who played 13 tests for Manu Samoa in the 1990s, says his son is up for the challenge.
2: You We're know, really buzzing for him. So proud of, uh, of, of what he's done to up until this point. I think, you know, it's going uh, it, uh, to use those opportunities to blood players. And then uh, he's gone on and had a pretty good season with uh, the WASS club. And, uh, you know, I think he feels a bit more in the squad on, on merit. This time round, and so uh, yeah, fingers crossed he's in that. What,
1: yeah, over here in New Zealand, we've had a, a similar thing in terms of uh, Caleb Clark sort of taking the country uh, by storm, and you know, a, a lovable guy, and only just the pride that he has to see his son sort of following his footsteps. I know you, of course, played for Samoa, but uh, you know, what, what have your interactions been with, uh, like with Jacob?
2: Well, literally spoke to him uh, the day of the final. You know, just going through those kind of emotions, and you know, he's pretty laid back. Um, you know, they've, they've done a lot of hard work to get to the final. Then, you know, he spoke after the final. And, yeah, he was a little bit dejected. But, you know, it was, it was a tough old day. As they say, you've, you've got to experience it. You know, it was his first final. Hopefully, you know, he gets a chance to know, have another shot of that. But then on the back of that, it's been pretty quick. You know, literally a day after that. You know, we're on the phone again talking about uh, going into a, a different environment. So, a um, little bit anxious, a little bit excited, you know. But uh, no, he's, you know, I think he's up for the challenge.
1: With the whole COVID situation, are you going to be able to go and watch him in person, or will you have to sit in front of the TV?
2: Well, that's yeah, that's the thing. You know, in a way, it's kind of bit, bittersweet because we won't we won't be able to. We didn't get to see his first final. Uh, we probably won't get to see his first uh, international cap if he plays. Tough one in that respect, but you know, uh, it is what it is. You know, that's become the norm now, just oh, rugby's on, get in front of the TV.
1: And for someone like Jacob, who's, who's grown up around you know, test rugby and, and well-known rugby people like yourself, playing for Samoa, of course your brother playing for the All Blacks, the likes of Jerry Collins, yeah. and you talked about him being quite a laid-back character um uh, is that just his personality? Is that something he's that's rubbed off from you? Or, you know, when you're used to, because he's familiar with that sort of environment, does that sort of help him take things as they come sort of thing and, and keep grounded? Or is that just a family thing? Or?
2: Yeah, it's, it's sure to have an effect, you know, be, because uh, to a lot of people, you know, those kind of environments are, you, know, you can only dream about. But, you know, to, when he was young, you know, both our, our older kids were in and around um, All Black tours when they are over here with uh, their uncle and, you know, seeing what that was like, obviously, they were in and around the rugby team's eyes involved in. And Jacob's first tour was was with the Samoa and uh, the Samoa team. So when he was uh, just a, a little baby in a pram, and, you know, he remembers getting, uh, you know, wheeled around by Triveliata and, and all those boys. So it, became, it kind of becomes second nature, but it it, uh, it does help with, you know, just being familiar with those kinds of surroundings.
1: You know, you... Played against your brother in '99. He might end up lining up against his cousin Peter Umaga Jensen, who had a, a pretty decent All Black stand. Yeah,
2: this last week has been pretty hectic. Uh, our family Facebook uh, has been going crazy. You know, obviously with Peter getting the nod as well. Um, like I said, just the final and, and this call up. You know, the family been sending me mes- uh, wish- uh, messages of well wishes and stuff like that. Um, and Pete actually sent him a message uh, before his final. So. That, that would be exciting, uh, and I pray to God that you know that you know COVID is no longer around us, and we, we can uh, all get together. Be a great hell of a catch up.
1: And um, you know, obviously, your involvement with Pacific rugby players' welfare as well um, from that Pacific angle. Uh, of course, you're, you're thrilled to see your son hopefully playing some Test forty for England uh, in the coming weeks. But uh, Fiji to be involved in that All Nations Cup as well. So that's uh, you know a, a team that's been crying out for had some real success in recent years, been crying out for that top-level competition, and this is a, a pretty exciting month for them.
2: You know, it's great to have uh, more of a, a of influence in here as well. Uh, and it needs, I think, the more the merrier, really. There needs to be more avenues where we can get our Pacific teams out and, uh, on, on, that, on that big stage. Um, obviously, you know, there's, there's issues that need to be sorted out, but no coincidence that you know a lot of the top performers in both the UK and in France... You know, uh, even over in America with the MLR, you know, is a strong Pacific Island uh, influence. You know, so just making sure that you know those, when they go back to their you know home nation teams that they, you know, that continues on. You know, that's what uh, you know, we all uh, hope and pray for, really.
1: That's former Manu Samo, fullback Mike Umanga. International women's rugby is close to resumption in the Southern Hemisphere with Samoa and Tonga ramping up preparations ahead of next month's World Cup Repercharge qualifier in Auckland. The game was originally scheduled to take place in Apia in April but was postponed due to COVID-19. The game will now be staged in Auckland on November the 14th with the winner advancing to the final World Cup Reper Charge tournament in 2021. RNZ Pacific sports reporter Tyla Anderson has been in touch with both camps and told me how their preparations are going.
3: The Samoa women's rugby team, they had a three-day trial camp uh, over the weekend, uh, just getting ready for their match against Tonga next month. So, um, yeah, the Samoa assistant coach Cynthia Ta'ala Timaloa said that the camp has helped build team camaraderie uh, because they haven't had any time together with the restrictions in New Zealand particularly. So, yeah, she said it was really good to have everyone come together to be in that Samoan uh, environment and just, you know, get some some fitness under their belt as they lead into that uh, qualifier.
1: And that camp, that included a game?
3: Yeah, so they had a, a trial match against Taranaki, um, but I understand that the Taranaki didn't have a full squad, so they did have an opportunity to test some of the uh, Samoan side against each other. Um, but, yeah, it sounds like it was it was really successful. Um, she said that they got what they wanted out of that camp and they're kind of just looking forward to seeing who's going to be named in that final squad because she, she did say that it's causing them some headaches.
1: Well, that's a good position to be in, I guess. And, you know, one of the quirks of this match against Tonga next month is that uh, it's only going to be New Zealand-based players, isn't it, because of COVID restrictions. So, fortunately for both Samoa and Tonga, they've got strong... Uh I, I guess um, groups of players in New Zealand, are, are the bulk of the Samoan players and coaching staff are already here anyway. So uh, if they still have to have some tough decisions around selection, that's probably a positive.
3: Yeah, I know Samoa were uh, saying that they didn't have any issues. Um, it was unfortunate that they couldn't have their players come from Samoa and Australia. But I know for our Tonga, I think it's a little bit different where... Um, yeah, they, they were really gutted as well about the players from Australia and Tonga not coming, um, especially those involved um, in the coaching scene. So I think they've struggled a little bit more in terms of numbers, but they've had no issues. Kind of just uh, sending the message out that they that they want to get some more uh, girls um, included into that.
1: And, and so, and, and so for their preparation, uh, we're not sure if they've had any headouts, but they have had a couple of get-togethers.
3: Yeah, so they put a call out to uh, girls that were interested in representing Tonga for this match um, and I, I believe they had a few, uh, some trial trainings at the Toy Toy Rugby Club. Um, so that was a couple of weeks ago now, so I'm not sure what they've got going on at the moment, but we'll find out soon.
1: Indeed, and that game's two and a half uh, weeks away, uh, but it's not just the Tonga Samoa game, uh, there's a couple of other games as well.
3: Uh, yes, so the New Zealand Defence are taking on the police um, and we also have the Black Ferns playing the Barbers. Uh, so it'll be, it'll be a triple header on the day, uh, lots of action and, you know, one of the first uh, women's international kind of games to get underway in New Zealand.
1: Yeah, I guess it's all starting to ramp up a bit because I think the Black Ferns are playing three games in total because their schedule leading into next year's World Cup, of course, was kind of ruined by COVID as as it was for most people around the world. Um, I think the women's Six Nations just kicked off on the weekend, or resumed uh, over in Europe as well. So, um, but in terms of Samoa and Tonga, so what what happens uh, this game in a couple of weeks? Uh, whoever wins, where, where do they go from there?
3: Yeah, so this is a, a qualifying match. So whoever wins out of this game will go to the qualifying tournament next year. Uh, there's a date still to be confirmed for that.
1: i was speaking there with RNZ Pacific sports reporter Tyla Anderson. And that's the World in Sport for this week. For more, head to our website, rnzi.com.